You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church. We're located in the Ballston neighborhood of Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us on the web at cumcballston dot o-r-g. There you can learn more about our congregation, where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. The scripture reading today is out of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, and he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Alyssa. So one of the great joys of serving here in Arlington is that I can drive by my childhood home any time that I want to. In fact, my spouse's grandmother lives just down the street from that house, so I often find myself driving down Nelson Street, remembering the neighbors that we had on that street, looking at the house that looks so physically different now, that has different families that live there, and remembering what it was like when I was growing up. There was one week when I was little that I had chicken pox and some of the other neighbor kids had chicken pox, so my mom volunteered to be the one to stay with all of the kids. So for days on end, all of us who had chicken pox, and then one kid who didn't but whose parents wanted her to get chicken pox, (laughs) I guess they figured get it out of the way, (laughs) we all hung out, and of course for us that meant we watched a lot of PBS, and that included watching Mr. Rogers. He was a gentle soul who asked us, the TV viewer, to be his neighbor. Now, as an adult, I've learned that Mr. Rogers was actually Reverend Rogers. He was ordained in 1963 in the Presbytery of Pittsburgh with the unusual charge to continue his ministry with children and their families through the media. He never served a traditional role as a pastor of a brick-and-mortar church, Instead, he had a television ministry that reached millions of people. There's a good reason that Mr. Rogers talked a lot about neighbors, because Jesus talked a lot about neighbors. In the scripture reading this morning that Alyssa just read for us, Jesus distills down all the laws and the prophets to the command for us to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. It seems so simple, right? Love God, love neighbor. But the difficulty arises when we think about how to actually do that. First, who is my neighbor? Second, what does it mean to love them? Wrestling with these questions is at the heart of discipleship. So with that simple question that he asked every week, won't you be my neighbor? Rogers created a home, a safe place for everyone. He believed that the greatest thing that we can do for someone is to let them know they are loved and capable of loving others. He believed so strongly that the words, I love you, 
were important for us to live in this world, that he even embraced a secret code. One, four, three. One for the letter I, four for the letters L-O-V-E, and three for Y-O-U. He took it to such extremes that if you notice on the show, lots of addresses have 143 in them. And he was so fastidious in how he kept his health that he weighed himself every day. And his goal was to weigh 143. He embodied 143 for children growing up for generations. He used his gifts and who he was in this world to tell the children that they were loved and they could love others. So this morning we're going to watch a three-minute clip of Mr. Rogers singing about 143. There are many ways to say I love you. There are many ways to say I care about you. Many ways, many ways, many ways to say I love you. There's the one, four, three way to say I love you. There's the one, four, three way to say I care about you. One, four, three, one, four, three, one, four, three to say I love you. Cleaning up a room can say I love you. Hanging up a coat before you're asked to do it. Drawing special pictures for the holidays and making plays. You'll find many ways to say I love you. You'll find many ways to understand what love is. Many ways, many ways, many ways to say, I love you. You know, there's a lighthouse south of the Boston Harbor called Minot's Ledge Light. As it flashes, it flashes one Time, then four times, then three times. So it's always flashing its light. One, four, three. I love you. One, four, three. This is a kind of code mm -hmm. that we've just found out about. One is I, mm -hmm. four, L-O-V-E, mm -hmm. three, Y-O-U, I love you. A code. Well, I think I'll take this home and give it to Betsy. It's all yours. It's my delivery to Betsy today. Right. A delivery to you and a delivery to Betsy. Well, speedy delivery. See you around the neighborhood. Thank you again. One four three. <laughs> One four three, Mr. McFeely. Thank you. We've had lots of good visits today, haven't we? And explaining things is another way of saying I love you. And coming back to visit each day is yet another way. Oh, there's so many ways. You'll find them. You'll find them as you grow. Many ways to say one, four, three. 
many ways to say I love you. Mr. Rogers invited his viewers to be his neighbor, and he didn't tell them that they should be kind, they should love one another. Instead, he offered the invitation. I would like for you to know my television neighbor, he would often tell his viewers. Won't you be my neighbor, was the invitation he offered. And then he modeled this in a powerful way on May 9, 1969. This was an episode that aired one year after Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. Rogers was outside his TV house, cooling his bare feet in a plastic pool on a hot day. And then the local police officer stopped by. At Rogers' invitation, Officer Clemens, a black man, joined him sitting with his bare feet in the bath. This was a powerful moment, and this invitation to join him to cool his feet was an important moment for the country to witness. Because at this time in our nation, African Americans were being violently removed from so-called white swimming pools. Rogers recognized that there was a powerful witness he could offer simply by inviting Officer Clemens to be his neighbor and to cool his feet. But then Mr. Rogers took it one step further. When they got out of the tub, Mr. Rogers helped to dry his feet. For us who know the story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples and then telling us to do likewise as servants, we see Mr. Rogers embodying the love of Jesus in that moment. The actor who played Officer's Clemen, Officer Clemens was named Francois Clemens, and he is quoted as saying, the icon Fred Rogers not only was showing my brown skin in the tub with his, with his white skin as two friends, but as I was getting out of the tub, he helped to dry my feet. This was the way that they embodied the love of Christ for the world. He modeled what love looked like. It was an invitation to be with his neighbor, and then he modeled serving. He didn't say that everyone should or had to be kind in the same way. Instead, his life was the invitation to live as Jesus lived. Over and over again, Mr. Rogers said, I love you in many ways. Whether it was drying officers Clemens' feet, whether it was singing a song to his television neighbor, or whether it was saying, it's you I like, I like you just as you are. Mr. Rogers brought all of who he was, his creativity, his gentleness, his kindness, and he shared that with the world which so desperately needed to see and hear the gospel message lived out. Today, Mr. Rogers is having a bit of a revival. There's been a documentary, there's been another movie, there's been at least a dozen books that have been written in the last few years. And I think it is because people are hungry for kindness. People are hungry for people who live the gospel message in the world. Now, when Jesus was distilling all the laws and the prophets down to loving God and loving neighbors, he was using such a vital and important part of the teaching that he had learned as a Jewish boy growing up. There is something in the Hebrew tradition called the Shema. 
This is the Hebrew word for hear or listen. And it comes from a verse in Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The Shema was typically recited by a Jewish child and adult at the start of the day and at the end of the day. So that meant there was no other verse in the entire Torah that the average Jewish person knew better than this one verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So when we come to the scripture that Alyssa read for us today from the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is responding to the question from the Pharisees, trying to trick him, trying to catch him, trying to figure out a way to embarrass him. They asked him what of all the laws was the most important. And so Jesus responds to this tricky question by quoting the Shema. He was taking something that was second nature even for the youngest Jewish child. It was as though someone asked him the important thing, and today we would say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The most basic, fundamental truth of life that we as Christians know This was the importance of the Shema to the Jews and to the people of Jesus' time. We know what it is to love God, but what is it to love your neighbor? If you look at the Ten Commandments, we actually see that the first four are about loving God, about keeping the Sabbath day holy, about not having other idols, but then the next six are about loving your neighbor. It's hard to argue that loving God and loving your neighbor isn't the most important thing in our faith. But is that how we live every single day? Is that the driving force of our lives? To love God and to love our neighbors. So for the next month, we're going to be looking at the invitation to love our neighbors. We love God But the question is, how do we love those around us? There are many ways. If you're familiar with the five love languages, you know that there are some people who need to hear the words, I love you, words of affirmation. They need to hear kind words. There are other people who want gifts. They really know that they are loved when someone sends flowers or buys them just the right thing for their birthday or for Christmas or for no reason at all. It doesn't need to be big, it can be small, but it is truly the act of giving that makes someone feel loved. Others need quality time and lots of it. Not time just sitting in front of the TV or on your phone, but actual time spent together paying attention to one another for some lots of quality time is the way to say i love you there are others who need this with physical touch it may be a hug it may be holding hands it may be sitting close together whatever your relationship may be there are some who need to have that physical touch to know that i love you We have words, we have gifts, we have time, we have physical touch, and finally, acts of service. 
This is how we as a church have said that we will serve our community so that they know we love them. When I asked the church council two years ago to distill down the most important values that we have as a church, they said that it was to worship God, to serve others, and to embrace all. These are the ways that we at Central United Methodist love our community, and service is number one. That's why today we're collecting hats and socks and toiletries for our neighbors experiencing homelessness. It's why every Thursday night you'll find people in our kitchen preparing food, and Friday morning you will find them serving food for those who come because they are hungry. The number one thing that we do as a church is to serve. That's not the only thing. We as a congregation use the sign outside to say that we love the world. Thankfully, Dave has a great opportunity to be creative in the ways that he does that. And there are, I know, people who have joined our church because they have seen a message of hope, a kind word, something that made them feel that God loved them and we might too. These are the words of affirmation. We as a congregation can say I love you in so many ways. As we've talked about the transformation of our building and the community, we're going to have this two-year construction period where we won't be in this building, where we'll be somewhere else worshiping week in and week out. And so it has made me wonder, how can we, like that lighthouse that Mr. Rogers talked about, blink one, four, three? I love you. No matter where we are in the community, whether it's worshiping in a school or worshiping in another church building or worshiping somewhere else in this community, how can we find ourselves like that lighthouse blinking? One, four, three. I love you. As we prepare for this huge transition later this year, this is the invitation that God is giving to us to say the words, I love you, and to live the words, I love you. But we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait to figure that out. What is one thing this week that you can do to say, one, four, three, I love you? One thing this week that God is inviting you to do, to say, to live. I love you. Thanks be to God for this invitation to tell the world I love you. Amen.